it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, as my grandmother used to say, one more time. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I come to have church like it might be my last time. Amen. 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 Bless the Lord today. Bless the Lord. We are, uh, as I said, uh, going to be in the next four weeks sharing a series with you uh, on, on prayer and the importance of prayer in our lives, on prayer and the importance of prayer in our lives. And today, I want to invite your attention to, to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. And overall, we're going to be talking about this month, how we make prayer personal. How we make prayer personal. And so, so today, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, when you, get, when you find that, say, I got it. All right. The word says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And so today, in this series, I want to talk about this thought. Why should believers pray? Why should believers pray? And you might think for a moment that, that just asking that question seems kind of strange when you're talking about believers. Because we think in hearing that, that everybody knows why believers should pray, but we might be surprised just how disconnected we really are from the reasons why we should pray. Now, I could give you today many, many reasons why believers should pray, but we're going to center in on um, just a few of those reasons. But before we go into that, I want to share with you that for the Christian, prayer should be like breathing. Easier to do than not to do. If you hold your breath, you only can hold it so long. It's going to get to a point in time that you're going to have to let it go and you're going to need to breathe. And so prayer for the believer should be just like that. It's easier to pray than not to pray. It should be so simple for us that it should come so naturally as breathing, as you inhale and exhale, just very naturally. And I thank God that I don't have to think about breathing. I've got enough to worry about. (laughs) And our, our body is designed by the Lord so much so that you don't need to make a conscious decision to breathe. The brain sends a message to the diaphragm and says, push air in and out of the lungs without you even thinking about it. This is how prayer should be for believers. It should come naturally. It should not be forced. Prayer should be part and parcel of our regular life function. Now, the Barner Research Group tells us 
in a survey that 64% of Christians say they pray at least one time per day. 64%, almost two-thirds of us say we pray at least one time per day. Now, two things really leap out at me in when I think about that statistics. If nearly two-thirds of believers are praying once a day, why does it seem like we, the church, are drifting further from intimacy with God rather than growing, growing closer? Why does it seem, and I don't know about you, it just seems that way to me. Maybe it's, it, just, it just seems that way. Because when we think about how we consider coming into the Lord's house, do we come in with a spirit of thanksgiving? Do we come in with a spirit of praise? Do we walk in here ready to worship the Lord? Or do we have to kind of get all your troubles out the way first? Are you here to just watch the worship team worship? Or did you come ready to worship God? So if we're doing that much praying, it would seem to me that we might just might have more intimacy and more closeness with God. That's the first thing that kind of jumps out at me. The second thing when I consider the fact that nearly two-thirds of us are praying at least once a day, and we look at the moral condition of our world, one cannot help to wonder if we are praying as believers for God's will ahead of our own needs. Are we praying for the will of God to be manifest in the world? Are we praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done? Are we praying that way or are we praying for our own needs as priority? You know, my my father used to say every now and then, I'd like for you to come to me and just ask me how I'm doing when we were kids growing up. Just just every now and then. We used to come to daddy because daddy was daddy and we knew daddy had the money. Amen. You know, and daddy kind of controlled the leadership of the home. And we come to him, daddy, I need this. Daddy, I need that. Daddy, daddy, daddy. Give me, give me, won't you let me have. And every now and then the father, my father wanted to just say, hear me say, dad, how's your day going? How are you? Dad, I appreciate The fact that you get up and leave your home and your family at 930 at night and go work all night long in a hot steel mill so that I could have food on the table. And I can tell you right now, I didn't do that nearly enough as a child. So I wonder if when we pray to our heavenly father, are we really just asking God for stuff that we want? Or are we praying to him? as king and as Lord of our lives. Now, before we get into, again, these reasons believers or Christians should pray, let us discuss two main reasons not to pray. Do not pray to impress God. 
Look at somebody and say, you can't impress God. You just do not pray to impress God. And so many times our prayers, especially our public prayers, becomes opportunities for us to show just how spiritual we are. Just how impressive we can be when we pray. Don't pray to impress God. You cannot impress the God who created language with your ecclesiastical eloquence. Amen. You can't do it. God made language. And so when you, when you get up in front of people to pray, you don't have to find every big word that you know. You don't have to go to dictionary.com and get some word that's so huge you can't pronounce it yourself. God, I'm coming against the anti-disestablishmentarianism of the, of the world. You don't even know what that means. And I have to wonder if God's not looking at you. What are you doing? Just pray. Don't pray to impress God. The Bible talks about talking to God as father. When Jesus says, this is how you should pray, our father. The word there is Abba, cry, Abba, father, our father. You know what it means? It means daddy. Pray to God as your father. It's one thing I learned again about my dad early in life. I couldn't really impress him. He knew me at my worst. He knew me when I didn't know how to tell somebody I got to go to the bathroom. (laughs) He changed my diapers. How can I impress him? And so we have to cry our father. The second thing is don't hear the second reason not to pray. Don't pray to inform God. (laughs) Watch this now. Somebody just got messed up right there. Somebody got messed up right there. Don't tattle. We tell our kids, don't tattle. Don't be a tattletale. Watch this now. You know, I grew up in a church where there's a song actually by this title. I'm going to tell God how you treat me. (laughs) When I lay my burdens down, I'm going to tell God how you treat me. (laughs) Now, watch this now. I think we got a couple pictures that... We might have. I don't know if we we got the pictures or not. Look at that. That's that's how we look when we're telling God. Look at look at the next one. Look at next. We're gonna tell. We're gonna tell God. Look at. I'm gonna tell God on you. Look look at the next one. Look at this one. Watch this. Is there any person on earth angrier than Samuel Jackson? I just wanted to. He does angry really well. So look at this Look at this next one by telling God. Look at there. I'm going to tell God how you treat. I'm going to tell God on you. And we do it. We, we, we pray with this attitude in our spirit. So don't, don't, don't tattle. Don't pray to impress God. Don't pray to inform God. Now, I'm going to drop in your spirit right now real quickly four reasons why we should pray. Four reasons why believers should pray. The first one is prayer builds our relationship with Jesus Christ. Prayer builds 
our relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to understand what makes us a Christian. What makes us to be Christian? And the first thing is that we're not Christian because we received a bunch of rules. You know, we look, some of us look at the Bible and we look at it and we say, these are just rules. And all this is, is a bunch of rules telling me what to do and not to do. The Bible is much more than principles and rules. It is God's love letter to his children. It reveals to us a holy, righteous, and loving God, a merciful God that will look upon you at your worst and say that you are loved. A grace-giving God. It's more than just the rules. So we don't, we, we, prayer builds this relationship. We're not Christians because, uh, because we just have rules. Now, Jesus does have standards. There are things that God holds as standards for our lives. But that's not all that this relationship is about. Watch this. We are Christians because, not because we receive rules, but we received Christ. The gift of Jesus Christ is what makes us a Christian. That we have received this wonderful gift of God's son who went to Calvary for, I wish I had somebody here, for our sins. We have received this great gift from God. God so loved the world that he gave. That's gifting, y'all. That he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. We are believers. We're Christians because we've received Christ, the gift of Christ. Now watch this. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. Here are the reason Paul prays in this building of this relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at what he's doing for the Ephesian believers. Paul prays for the church at Ephesus. Verse 16. Here's what he says. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So I'm praying that way down on the inside of your core, what makes you, you, that place that nobody knows but you and God, that the Holy Spirit will strengthen you and bring you closer to Jesus Christ. Prayer helps build that relationship. It opens the door to the depths of your heart, to the depths of your spirit, so that God can speak directly to you in your most inner part. And so prayer is about strengthening you. Paul's praying for that. Now, verse 17, look what he says. I do this so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. That actually Christ may be in you, may live in you, in your heart. That you may know him and that he, we know he knows you. But that you may know all of Christ. So prayer opens that, 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 that heart of, 
of, of ours that's often stony and closed and, and, and shut off from everybody. Prayer opens your heart so that you may have Christ dwell within your heart. He says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, prayer connects us to the person, the purpose, and the principles of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 18. He says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth. Oh, come on, y'all. You, if you really got this, you'd be excited right now because God, God, Paul says, I'm praying for you that you will know everything that God would have you would know. You would know, uh, you would know that God is so wide you can't get around him. Somebody know where I'm going here. He's so low you can't go under him. He's so high you can't go over him. That's who God is. That's who God is. And so, and so you may know You may know who the Lord really is. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now imagine if you had somebody praying for you like that every day. Amen. Look at that. Prayer connects us to the love of Christ, of Christ, a love that human mechanisms cannot attain. You cannot do this on your own. You cannot come up with a gospel that works. You cannot come up with a love that is so powerful that it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. You can't come up with that kind of love. That love is the love of Jesus Christ. And for every person in here today that's feeling unloved, I'm going to tell you, stop putting your hope in the love of people. Somebody just got free right there. You going around your whole life mad because somebody doesn't love you anymore. You don't love me. And your whole life, becomes turned upside down because you've been counting on the love of people. When God is saying for your entire life, I've been offering you a love that you can't even imagine how beautiful and wonderful it is to dwell richly in my love. So that's the love that prayer connects us to. Now, the second, second reason, not only does prayer Bring us closer to Jesus. But prayer is an act of obedience to God. Prayer is an act of obedience to God. Watch this now. We are commanded to seek God and we actively seek him through prayer. We are commanded to seek God and we actually, we act, uh, actively seek him through prayer. Isaiah 55 and 6 says this, seek the Lord while he may be found. Now, I love that verse because it implies a lot there. Seek the Lord while he may be found, which implies that a time is coming when you'll look for God and can't find him. Oh, I wish I had somebody. 
Seek the Lord while he is, he is available to you. Because the time is coming when Jesus comes back. He's coming back for his church. And it will be too late to cry out then. Seek the Lord while he may be found. And Isaiah says this, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. Now watch it. When you come back to God, those of us who strayed away, just throw your hand up real fast if you strayed. Don't let anybody, people really think you came to church and you was holy. So that, <laughs> you don't want to ruin your reputation. Just Throw that hand up real fast. I think you're waving at a gnat or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but watch, watch what God gives you. When you return to him, when you come back to the God of your salvation, look at what he says, that he may have compassion on him. Look at that, compassion. Compassion, the compassion of God is tied to his mercy. And you need to understand just how merciful God is. If you understand how horrible sin is, then you'll understand that your being alive today is the mercy of God. The fact that you're here is God's mercy. God has had compassion on us. And we can return to him because he is a compassionate God. Amen. So, so, so we act, we're commanded to seek God and we seek him through prayer. Now watch this. Prayer as obedience should be continual and without regard to location. Colossians 4 and 2, our text says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Now I know some of us can only pray at home just before we get into bed. When we're very sleepy <laughs> and we fall asleep praying. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me before. But think about prayer and what it means to be praying in every situation, in every point and place in your life. Is prayer limited to your bedroom? Should you be able to pray as you drive to work? Don't, don't take your eye off the road. That's... But praying shouldn't be limited to just, to just your one location in your life. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue in prayer. Be steadfast. Be consistent in prayer. And we're going to get into this more as we go through this month. But let me throw this in for free right now. Too many of us pray just when we're in trouble. <laughs> or when we're angry. I better go pray before I hurt somebody. <laughs> somebody going to get their feelings hurt. They messing with me today. I just, I better go pray right now. <laughs> I might say right now. You better go pray right now. And so, and so we pray when we're in trouble or when we're angry. And those are the only time we seem to be able to do some earnest praying. And we forget 
or ignore the opportunities that present themselves to pray when things are going well. An active prayer life thanks God for the sunny days. An active prayer life doesn't just pray in the rain. An active prayer life says, it's the sun is shining in my life right now. And I know, God, that I don't deserve not one thing that you're doing for me. But I'm so thankful that you love me so much. That you bless me. I don't deserve your blessing. I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve your mercy. And God, I've got to give you praise. Because you love me in spite of myself. And so we have to pray continuously. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. 1 Timothy 2 and 8 says, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or without quarreling. In every place, pray. Wouldn't it be something if men prayed together? I'm going to throw this in for you. We're, we're learning in our Kingdom Man series on Monday night at 6.30 Shameless plug right there. Monday night at 6.30, if you're not a part of our Kingdom Man series, you need to get here because we're learning how men pray, how men live, how God would have men to go forward. I mean, ladies, y'all all be clapping louder than anybody else. in here. <laughs> yes, Lord, I want a Kingdom Man. Well, my man to be a kingdom man. We're not only going to have kingdom man, there's a kingdom woman series that we're going to be doing too. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, so in every place men should pray. Jesus himself is our model for an obedient prayer life. He brought himself under obedience in prayer. In Matthew 14 and 23, the Bible says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, watch this, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Some of us can't pray unless we got a crowd. This morning, Heavenly Father, Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's once more and again a few of your handmade children have gathered here in your presence. Some of y'all know that prayer because you grew up in church. <laughs> and, it's just, you, you, and you can almost even say it with, it's the same deacon in every church that prays that prayer. So. And, I, and I'm not invalidating that prayer. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is we're not praying to impress people. There are times when you need to get by yourself. You need to be alone with God. Look at what Jesus does here. He goes up on a mountain to pray. When the evening came, he was there all by himself. He gave us the model of spending time alone with God. If you're serious about your prayer life, protect your time alone with God. Amen. Protect it. Put it in your calendar. Black it off. You got a smartphone that's probably smarter than you are. I mean, just 
you have a smartphone that you can put it. It'll put a reminder on there. It'll buzz, beep. Uh, uh, you can download a ringtone, whatever you want to do. You can even speak it and say, time to pray. And then, and then when it goes off, time to pray. You know, you, you, all of that. How much easier could God have made it? Technology you have on your hip or in your purse. Protect your time alone with God. Don't fear being alone with God. Don't be afraid. Jesus went to the mountain by himself. In Mark 1.35, we have another account of this. And it says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Why did Jesus do all this praying by himself and alone? He wanted no distractions. Jesus didn't pray with ESPN in the background. (laughs) He didn't pray while the young and the restless was the theme music was coming on. He didn't pray watching Lifetime. He didn't pray watching the NFL. When I get to yours, just say something. The NFL Network. He didn't pray watching the cooking channel. He didn't pray watching the home and garden channel. He didn't pray watching fix up my house. He didn't pray watching some reality show. Jesus prayed without distraction. And I know that you think in your mind that you can have that time alone with God with that TV over there looking at you. That TV saying, you know, it's almost time for your show. You better wrap this prayer up. God will understand. And so, and so Jesus, Jesus didn't pray. You have to not be afraid to be alone with God. Go to the mountain. Go to the place that is desolate. Go to the place where nobody else is. For some of us, it may be a walk that you take in the morning by yourself. For some of us, it may be driving to a a private and quiet place where you can just be with God. But don't be afraid to pray to the Lord without distraction. You will be surprised what you will hear in prayer when there are no distractions. Jesus was very serious about praying with no distractions. And, And his life set the model for an obedient prayer life. Now, here's the third reason why we ought to pray. Prayer reveals the character of God. Prayer reveals the character of God. Through prayer, we come to understand the heart of God. Too many believers are saying every day, I don't understand why God didn't do this. Oh, I don't understand why God didn't do that. How much are you praying? Because God is not afraid to reveal his character or his heart to us. You just better be ready to hear it. Every prayer you pray requesting something, the answer is not going to be yes. I don't care if you prayed three times, abracadabra with the light on and the music off and, and, and whatever else, standing on one leg with one hand in the air. It does, there's no magic formula to make God answer your prayer in the affirmative. That's why he's sovereign. He's God all by himself. Amen. I know I just made somebody mad there. Just, you had your little formula. You thought this is how I get a yes. <laughs> 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 
Amen. Through prayer, we come to understand the heart of God. Look at Psalms 102, 16 and 17. For the Lord builds up Zion. He appears in his glory. He regards the prayer of the destitute. Oh, praise God. I'm so glad that God regards the prayer of the destitute because guess what? I'm one of the destitute. Oh, I wish I had some destitute folks in here. I am one. Look at somebody say, you destitute too. Yes, you are. I'm one of the destitute. I'm one of the ones that, 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 that could not figure this thing out on my own. And I need God to hear and regard my prayer. First Peter 3 and 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. As I pray, I learn that God loves righteousness, and God hates evil. As I pray, I know that God wants me to walk in the ways of righteousness and to shun the ways of evil. I know that God's heart is about holy and blameless and not about evil that's in my heart. As I pray, I learn all of those things about him. Through prayer, we seek the will of God. In Matthew 6 and 10, the word says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. And that seems to be the place where we skip. Do you want the will of God done on earth? Absolutely you should. And I want it done the same way it's done in heaven. Now, let me just throw this in for free. Imagine God's will and how it gets accomplished in heaven. The Lord doesn't even have to say anything. He just looked at Gabriel. Gabriel like, yes, Lord. He just looked at the angels and the angels start moving. God's will gets done in heaven without any resistance. Now, I'm, I'm gonna trans, this, this is going to really transform your prayer right here because you've been praying that will be done on earth, on earth, on earth. And what you're really saying is since you're on earth, that that will be done in your life. Now, watch this. How is his will going to be done in your life when you give resistance to his will? I'm going to say that again. How is his will going to be done in your life when you give? You think, I don't give resistance. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You give resistance because God says, do this, love your enemy. And what do you do? I can't stand that. I can't stand my enemies, don't you? Pastor, I'm still trying to love my enemies. I can't, I can't love They lied on me. I can't love them. God says, do good to them that despitefully use you. And you go on Facebook and say, I'm holding everybody accountable. How is his will going to get accomplished when we're throwing up the greatest resistance to his will? Every believer. See, here's the thing. You'll never accomplish God's will on earth if you never read God's word. 
You're disconnected from the word. You're disconnected from his will. And if you think God's will is all about making your life comfortable, you have another thing coming. Christ- oh, see, I knew it was going to get quiet on that one. He was like, uh, uh, I don't know. About I don't know if I can amen that. I- Christianity is not about your comfort. You're going to follow Christ and you follow him into comfort. Jesus didn't stay at the Hilton. I don't care what some preacher on TV told you. He said, foxes have holes and birds have nests. But the son of man, I wish I had somebody, has nowhere to lay his head. And here you are with a home and a bed and some blankets and some heat. You got the nerve to be complaining how hard your life is. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Through prayer, we come to learn and to know the love of God. Watch this now. First or Second Thessalonians 3 and 5 says, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. Through an active and intimate prayer life, you learn about the love of God. And how steadfast Christ is. You know, I think about the steadfastness of Christ. And what that means is, is that Jesus kept dying when he had every reason to stop. He had every reason to get off that cross because he looked in the future and he saw how sometime I was going to be. I just use myself as an example. I know. I know none of y'all have that problem, but uh, he looked and had every reason to say that Raymond Dix is not going to be too uh, too consistent in his life. Uh, he's he's going to have some ups and downs, and I'm not going to die for him. Why should I die for him? But Jesus was steadfast. Jesus was, I wish I had somebody. Jesus was steadfast in his desire to to stay on that cross and die for my sins. Because in those sins that he died for was my sometiminess. Somebody going to leave here today saying, Pastor, sometime. I didn't know he was. But God, but Jesus was steadfast. First John four and nine, it, it says this in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that we could see God's love, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Through prayer, we see this this love of God, this love that says that it is manifest through Christ, that we can see this gospel, we can believe this gospel, and because of what he did, we can live. We live through him. The last thing I'll share with you is that prayer comforts us as we face adversity. Now, this isn't for anybody that hadn't had any adversity in your life. So if you hadn't had any adversity in your life, you have my permission not to listen. But if you've had adversity in your life, 
Let me help you understand how prayer comforts us as we face adversity. Adversity is real for believers. And the reason it's real, because we have an adversary. Your enemy, the devil, is, is like an adversary, like a roaring lion going to and fro, seeing who he may devour. You have a real adversary that creates adversity. Now, let's look at adversity for a minute. Adversity can rob you of your peace. Have you ever been going through something and it just seems like you have no peace? It just seems like that, that there's, there's chaos all around you because of the difficulty that you have in your life. Adversity comes to rob you of your peace. Adversity can steal your joy. Oh, I wish I had a witness there. Adversity can take the joy out of your heart. Adversity can make you just simply go through the motions because you're having a hard time right now. Adversity can cause you to lose your balance. Life Life can get difficult and you can only feel like you're stumbling through life when you have adversity. You can feel like there's no steadiness anywhere. Adversity can cause you to lose your balance. Adversity can make you run away in fear. When I get to yours, just say something, okay? I just... Adversity can make you run in fear because something you see that is confronting you. Adversity can lead you to depression. How many believers are sitting in doctor's office, psychiatrists and counselors thoroughly depressed to the point where they can't even eat? And you are a child of God because of this trial in your life. Adversity can negatively affect your health. Your blood pressure goes up. Your heart rate gets faster. You get headaches and all of those things because you have some adversity in your life. Adversity can make your friends give up on you. How many of us been there? Hmm? You know, people be your friends when all going well. But have a little trouble. You'll find out who your real friends are. Do I have a witness? Huh? You'll call them and you know they got call ID. Any other time they had your number plugged in. Hey, girl, what's happening? You call them up, you can't get through. Adversity will make your friends give up on you. Adversity can cause your enemies to rejoice. There's nobody like your enemies that like to see you hurting. Ask, ask Job what adversity will do to your friends. They start turning on him and saying, Job, it's something that you're not telling us. You've got some secret sin here that you haven't confessed. There's no way all this is happening to you and you're innocent. Adversity can make your family lose hope. Some of us been there. The death of a loved one unexpectedly can have your family turn upside down. Adversity can even make you doubt God. Oh, now don't look at me like you ain't never been there. Sometimes our prayer starts with this. 
God, are you there? Adversity can make you doubt the very existence of God. But watch this now. And here's your hallelujah moment. But thanks be to God that something happens when a believer prays in the midst of adversity. The adversary starts hearing that prayer that starts, Heavenly Father, I need you right now. And the adversary starts to run in the midst of a believer praying in adversity. When a believer prays, not only are circumstances changed, but so are we. I wish I had somebody. Too many of us are praying, God, remove the storm. And God says, I'm not going to remove the storm. I am going to weatherproof you. I'm going to turn you into a storm window. So when the rain comes, when the hail falls, when the lightning goes, you will be able to stand the storm. You don't have to believe Raymond Dix. Watch this now. When a believer prays, the Bible says in Acts 16 and 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. See, I want to tell everybody that's in adversity right now. Every now and then, you got to just get off to yourself. And I don't care if you're a singer or not. You got to get you a hymn that you can sing. You got to get you some amazing grace in your spirit. You've got to get you some lift up Jesus in your spirit. You've got to begin to sing and to pray to God. Paul and Silas were praying about midnight. And here's what you don't understand. Because you maybe read this verse many times and skip right over this part. And the prisoners were listening. Oh, I wish I had somebody here. Sometimes in your adversity praying, God will have somebody around you that you don't even know is listening. Or do I have a witness here? He'll have somebody around you that you don't even know is in earshot. And they'll hear you calling on the name of the Lord. The Bible says the prisoners were listening. Watch this now. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. It wasn't the prayer that shook the foundation. It was God, the maker of the foundation of the world. That's who shook the foundation of that prison. God says that everything has to obey me. I know the Romans built this prison, but they didn't realize it was still under my control. I know they locked up my boy Paul and Silas, but they didn't realize I still run things. And my sons are praying now. And they're in the midst of a little adversity. So it's time for me to shake things up. And I'm going to shake up this prison. And the Bible says that when the ground started shaking, the doors of the prison were open. Now this is something you ain't going to, you might skip this. Don't miss it. He didn't just open. Paul and Silas jail said. Everybody that was listening, that was locked up, got 
some freedom that day because some believers got down on their knees and just started praying, Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No other help I know if thou withdraw thyself from me. Where shall I go? Some believers prayed. When believers pray, folks get delivered. When believers pray, folks get set free. When believers pray, it's some neighbors that's locked up that's going to get set free. And the Bible says that everybody's bonds were unfastened. Everybody's. There's some folks in there that was praying or that was there and Paul and Silas prayed. They didn't even know Jesus. Watch this now. And their cuffs fell off. You, you, think, you think that you got a neighbor that's, that's ornery and don't want to talk to you and in all kinds of bondage? You leave out the house hoping you don't see him? I wish I had somebody here. You handling this wrong. You need to get down on your knees and start praying for, de, to, for deliverance and watch their shackles come off. Everybody got set free. Everybody. Can you imagine the jailer? The only place he heard racket coming from was Paul and Silas' cell. But he went in there and everybody was free. At that point, the, the jailer said, I got to off myself. Because they're not going to understand how this happened. And Paul had to say to him, don't do yourself any harm. For we all here. The shackles didn't come off, but we're still here. I wish I had somebody here. God will knock those shackles off. He don't have to take you somewhere else. Your shackles will come off right where you are. I wish I had two or three people in here that was really set free. There ought to be somebody in here today that will stand on their feet and say that I have been set free. That knows that your shackles came off because somebody prayed. Oh, celebrate the Lord with me today. Celebrate the Lord with me today. Somebody prayed. And the jail cell was open. Somebody prayed. As you stand on your feet all over this room. In your adversity. Jesus says in this world. You shall have tribulation. Not you might have tribulation. Becoming a Christian don't mean that you don't have trouble. But becoming a Christian means you have Christ. And you have a Christ that will stand at the helm of the ship of your life. And he'll look at the storm, whatever it is. And he'll say, peace, be still. 